West Ham and of course keeps Manchester United for the time being in Garner's length. But uh, that didn't happen and not be a, a sports brat about it. So it's, uh, that United team has uh, some really good individuals. Hi, welcome back to PH Expanded uh, with Mike McDonald. Um, that's me. I um I am very disappointed. Um, I haven't shaken that emotion off uh, since uh, the game finished and it's nearly one o'clock in the morning where I am and uh, I've left this late to record but I've been stewing and I wanted to try to take the emotion out of my thoughts to try to think rationally in the blog too so um, I think that game was tough not just for me but for a lot of Arsenal fans that I uh, follow uh, on my timeline talking the same way that uh, you know losing to City and uh, Chelsea was somewhat expected uh, and uh, you know some of the other disappointments we've had there were good reason for, be it form, circumstance, whatever it may have been, but we were on a roll. Um, I know we were on a roll pre-Liverpool, but Liverpool are a whole different ball game to United. Uh, they are arguably the informed team in world football. And uh, I know we have three of those in our league right now, but they are really blitzing. Mm other teams so the fact that they blitzed us wasn't any great surprise but this game was there uh, either I'd have taken a win or a draw to be quite honest with you because um, even though a win would have been preferable of course a draw was still a pretty decent result keeps us um, in the mix with West Ham and of course keeps Manchester United for the time being at arm's length but uh, that didn't happen, and not being a, a, a spoiled brat about it, but uh, that United team has uh, some really good individuals, but there's not a single one of them, and I've been watching them quite a lot recently, that's uh, on form. Not really any of them, apart from Ronaldo scoring his goals, but his general game isn't there and you go through the team Rashford Sancho who both started I think Jaden Sancho played but he was invisible it seemed um, they're not on form the two central midfielders are routinely criticised by their own fan base uh, Bruno Fernandes hadn't scored I think in eight games and that's normally uh, a big part of what he provides the back four have been really struggling maybe their most informed players recently have been the keeper uh, who seems to have revived his career and, and maybe Fred who was instrumental at both ends today but to play a team with that many out of form players and I know that they've got their new coach up in the stands but um, I've never had a reason to ever think that Michael Carrick is a modern coach with uh, an idea of how to organise a team in uh, in modern football 
and oh boy I'm depressing myself again I hope I'm not depressing you but that was just hard to swallow and mainly because and moving on to the first part of uh, of my points the sliding doors moment uh, mainly because we we do we lose belief more like we failed to capitalize on the belief after we scored the first goal and I know that VAR goals um, squash some of the uh, momentum in the adrenaline high that you get from scoring a goal but still uh, that was just again a really strange decision and I think it's by the team more than the coach to back off um, so when I think about uh, my playing career and I think about just my coaching career and all that I've learned about the game uh, many many times not just in my life but I'm sure in yours too you experience the emotions uh, after you score a goal and your opponent we've been on the other side the opponent and that's been us experiences um, uh, an anger a level of anger and a level of determination which are probably the two positive attributes that they can bring back to the center circle to kick off of course there's a, a sense of a uh, of depression sadness whatever negative there's all that because you've let a goal in but but they say it's dangerous to go lax against a team that um, has just conceded because you have to uh, counteract their fire, their anger, their determination uh, that they bring, as I said. And all you have to do in reality is you've really got to counter that for about five minutes. They don't hold on to that for a whole lot longer. Um, and if you can counteract that and add the confidence that you've just gained from scoring a goal, which is huge, you know, it swings, you go up, they go down. And as long as you match them with a sense of uh, similar passion that they're going to bring to the next five minutes to try to get back into the game, then you can press the accelerator and uh, be the opponent, Manchester United, uh, or whoever it may be, it, at that point, it doesn't really matter. And again, as I said in my piece uh, today, I feel like we were worried about the Manchester United, the club, the institution, the history, the what they should be. Is that a fair way of looking at it? Yeah, I think not really the team, not the current group playing as a mid-table team. And honestly, a mid-table team form-wise has gone and beaten us when we have pushed ourselves beyond that mid-table mediocrity this season. Somehow we've stumbled our way up to fifth. And so that's disappointing. That game is disappointing and one that I think the coach would love to have back. And I'd hope that if he ever 
uh, has a similar opportunity again to play a bigger team that's struggling, that he offers more clarity to the players that they need to press the accelerator. And if it becomes a most goals wins game, uh, which this game somewhat was, then, then so be it. But we are the form team. We are the better team. We press the accelerator. Okay, um, trying to find something positive to hold on to. And I think that when you uh, think longer term beyond the disappointment of, of the game, then it's important that we always remember the bigger picture because this isn't uh, a knockout situation. It's a 38-game season. And so where are Arsenal in the grander scheme of things? Well, I think that the reality of the situation is there's very little on the field, possibly off the field right now at Arsenal, that is a long-term problem beyond the situation up front I'm about to talk about that but um, for the most part we've got a group of informed players so that's a truth we can hold on to uh, this has been another bump in the road hopefully it doesn't hit them hard uh, but they uh, are a group of informed players that we can say in the last um, month or so have really started to excel and it's a larger group than normal. And if you look at the the situation in the squad, you've got an informed back four who are all playing very well again, generally speaking, yesterday, not quite as so, but, um, and then you've got uh, options at the left-back situation. If the Tavares thing uh, falls off the map, you've got Tierney, that's, that's a positive. You've got the, the Gabriel White thing, looks like we... Love to hold on to that one for another five years, but there's going to be games and times where that's not possible. But even though we need to add squad depth to the centre back area, we still have the promise of William Saliba, who some people say is uh, one of the most promising uh, centre backs in Europe. That's a reality for us that we are fortunate in that and, and been smart in that purchase, I would like to think. Uh, in the central midfield, We've got and modernised our midfield. We've got options. Uh, even though we've got the African Nations Cup coming up, we, we still have options at central midfield. And we've got a lot of potential. Um, the uh, uh, attacking line, uh, we're going to talk about the central forward area, but with Martinelli coming through, boy, you know, if I step back from my disappointment and I think how many clubs would love to have a player like Martinelli who's still on the periphery of this thing um, as a uh, an option. And he uh, was one of the better players on the field. He, and he should be rusty. And uh, he's just so hungry, uh, so much potential. And yet he's on the periphery. And I'm not even talking about so much the first team players in this that, again, have been in such good form. And you're looking at Saka and Smith-Rowe, who have been carrying the team for over a year uh, for the largest part. So anyway, short-term disappointment uh, yesterday. Uh, in the long term, all is moving forward, and I'm not going to forget that, because it is. And 
I think any bump is going to be a short-term uh, thing. So, um, and then with the investment behind the scenes, I would hope that the long-term uh, situation in the boardroom and with the Cronkies uh, looks like we've got some re-motivated owners and board members to want to make uh, this club uh, a force to be reckoned with again. So I'm I'm a little reticent to always believe in that, but that's been the evidence I've seen in the last few transfer windows now. It's not just been the last one, is that they're willing to try to back the coach uh, with what the coach needs. And those six signings in the summer is another thing that's real and it's happening. So, and we're reaping the benefits. So I'm not gonna sit sad for too long here. I'm gonna call that a positive because that game's over, it's done. We still have a good team, uh, a pretty darn good squad and uh, generally speaking we're moving forwards and we're in a better position than most all of us thought we would be in be it in the summer or the beginning of the season after the first three games okay um but just briefly uh, the need that i want to pick out is uh, the situation that arsenal have suffered uh, in the past um, over the uh, what do you do when your passing patterns aren't working your pre-plan what do you do? Because there were times in that game where we would get up into the final third and just sort of look a bit stuck. You know, you get a feeling of these guys are just sort of passing the buck. I, I don't know what to do with it. What do I do with it? I'll, I'll give it to you. And they'll watch to see what you're going to do with it. But there doesn't seem to be um, a fluid... Um, situation where the players grab the passing pattern, chuck it out the window because it's not working, because you can't always control the other team, and improvise. And that was quite stark to me, because when I watch Manchester United, they're almost like a street team. Uh, guys that have just shown up on the, on the tennis court and called their mates, and they're just going to play football the way that, honestly... <laughs> We all love to play, which is with very little, if any, instruction. But we're not stupid. We see that uh, uh, the modern game is more of a coach's game now. And there has to be a blend of instruction and improvisation. And uh, I feel like we haven't found that balance there. And our players still look like they're second-guessing whether they're allowed to improvise. It's the impression I get whether they should improvise, whether it's going to be criticised because they did improvise rather than recycle the ball again or, or whatever. So I think that that's something that is going to have to continue to be communicated clearly to them as to what they're expected to do, whether it's the, the Guardiola thought process of I'm going to train you to get to the final third and you have to um, invent in the final third yourself, which... Honestly, I don't believe he says that, Guardiola, but I think it's still pre-programmed in the final third, just done very well. Um, or whether um, it's... Um, well, I think I've talked enough about that. I think uh, I think it just... The players need to have some clarity on that situation. OK, here's the main body of what I wanted to talk about. Uh, I really wanted to dig in to the upcoming transfer window, which is another reason to hope um, we have a, 
if there is a serious issue at Arsenal, it's at centre-forward. I think that's becoming obvious. Aubameyang seems to score in patches. He'll score in two or three games and then won't for two or three or four. Uh, and that's for where we're trying to get to. That's not good enough. But the uh, the bigger issue with Aubameyang is, again, as I said in my in my blog, he... Uh, he offers about half of what you need as a modern-day centre-forward. And uh, the fact that he can't hold the ball up or offer any outlet for us when we're under the cosh is proving to be a consistent problem for the team, regardless. Even if he was the top scorer in the league, um, it would still be uh, something that we'd need to address maybe just as an, an alternative, having a player on the bench who, when Aubameyang has scored his goal, can come off, this player can come on, finish the game up, and when we're under the cosh, he can be an outlet and we can close the game off. Um, but we don't have that in our squad. Uh, there are many names that are being touted. I have uh, a decent idea of um, the potential of, of these players. Uh, I write the transfer blogs for Le Grove, and so I have to do a lot of research to accomplish that. And so I've watched these players I'm going to mention quite a lot over the last few years. Uh, the name that's been uh, talked about most recently is Darwin Nunes, who is a young centre forward at Benfica. Uh, I do wonder if people are getting excited about him because he is uh, from Benfica. And I think we've seen over the years that Benfica and Porto seem to uh, recruit very well and sell very high and you normally get some very good centre forwards coming out of those clubs sometimes they go via uh, the Russian league but either which way you seem to get some uh, some really good strikers coming out of that league um, Darwin Nunes has the athletic profile he's a big unit uh, and he's got a lot of the speed and agility and quickness that you need but when I watch him play uh, I see a far rustier version then moving on to the next guy, which will be Dominic Calvert-Lewin, uh, who is more Premier League ready, obviously, uh, and I think is a really good option for Arsenal. Uh, you may have heard me talk about this before, but I think he is likely attracted by moving to London. And as silly as this may sound, the guy is, uh, or sees himself as a fashion icon. He's now started to appear in magazines, and so being in London would appeal to him, not necessarily what Arsenal would be most excited about for him, but um, he's clearly a, a good option for the club. Vlajevic, I've talked too much about him, don't want to push that one too hard, don't want to bore people. He's my number one choice. Uh, I think he's going to be very hard to attain because apparently he wants to stay in Italy and players that want to stay in Italy normally go to Juventus and Juventus want him. And much like Locatelli, that's far more likely to happen, but uh, we will see. Um, there are... Some other interesting options, um, Alexander Isak, I'm not sure if he'll be available in January, but uh, I've not heard many people talking about the fact that Erdegaard played with him last season. And when you buy centre-forward, the risk is, especially mid-season, is that you're going to be able to get a connection with the players who are going to supply for him. And if you're talking about supply, you're talking about Martin Erdegaard as your main supplier. And so that would be an advantage that we would gain if we signed Isaac, would be uh, the connection with Erdegaard. Uh, I mean, Guri at um, uh, Lyon 
is a uh, a more nimble, uh, shorter, uh, but quite dynamic centre forward. Depends what style we want. I think there are a lot of people rather impressed with him. I just feel like if we were to get a centre forward like that, then uh, he would be uh, one of two, and we'd still bring in a more physical centre forward because he doesn't solve the problem of us needing an out ball. Uh, the interesting situation at the club is the Balogun situation because I assume he signed a contract because he was promised opportunities and he was given one. Uh, I'm not, the Brentford game wasn't his fault. He had one chance that was blocked, if I remember, that could have changed the whole game. And that's probably changed his whole season because he hasn't been seen since. Uh, I'm not against him going on loans. It's probably a really smart idea. But... I do wonder why he didn't play yesterday instead of Eddie. I do wonder why he's not on the bench instead of Eddie. And I understand he wants to play, but um, today might have been a game where you can bring him on. There's been many games where we've needed a goal um, and that guy's in far better form. And so we can't take our eyes off the fact that when we're looking for a striker uh, or two strikers to come in for a Bamiyang and Lacazette, what are we going to do with Balogun? Because there's a, an awful lot of potential there. Um, I have one more that you probably heard me talk about, which I think needs to be the short-term fix, and nobody will convince me otherwise. Uh, very few people I talk to seem to think that this is a good idea, but I'm convinced and I'm just going to stick to what I think, which is uh, Edison, Conv- Edison Cavani, who has rarely played at United since he joined. We all know that. Uh, Barcelona are apparently interested. He, as we know, has scored goals everywhere that he's played. But the reason that I would go for him in the short term is that he has everything that we are currently looking for. The three points I brought out in my blog, the, the aggression... The ability to hold the ball up and be the out ball and the movement in the box. Those three things, those three qualities are arguably his best qualities. And he has others as well. He is a far, far better player than Aubameyang has ever been. Personal opinion. And um, I feel like Arsenal deserve and need a striker with more, far more tools in the box than what Aubameyang offers. And I think it would be very smart to go for Cavani um, because you'd only have to utilise him for a year or two and then you could encourage a player like Balogun to believe that it's worth sticking around at Arsenal and he can mature into a player that could take over in years to come. What you can't do really is if you go and sign, let's say, for example, Calvert-Lewin, and um, Nunes, you sign two uh, and to replace Aubameyang and Lacazette and then sit down with someone like Balogun and have a conversation about him being the future and he looks at these two guys that you've bought in for over 100 million and thinks, well, they're going to be here for at least five years I'm not sticking around and they're young like I am and uh, no, see you later. And, and I'm not making this all about Balogun but if you do believe in this guy and you think he could uh, be the solution in a few years' time, you have to prepare for that. So to me, bring in a senior centre-forward 
uh, who's preferably had experience in the league and can hit the ground running, I think that's Cavani. And then you bring in a younger guy, so it would be Cavani for me. Cavani and Vlajevic would be the two that I personally would go for. And then you could uh, keep Balogun, keep Martinelli. That's probably a better conversation than even Balogun. And say to them, look, you know, you can learn from this player. He's only going to be around for a short period of time and there's going to be opportunities for you. He's not always fit as well. But um, I just think that's the way to go. And that's been plenty of talking from me. And it's super late here. And I've managed to keep my cat asleep because she was thinking very hard about disturbing my podcast and I was going to have to re uh, redo it. And uh, she's asleep, but she's going to wake up any minute because uh, that's what she does. So before that happens, I'm signing out and uh, we need to get our chins back up because we're going to thrash Everton, right? Cheers.